Enjoy your ride, Buck. No, you can't call me that. Why not? That's what Steve called you. Steve knew me longer, and Steve had a plan. 15 seconds to drop. I have a plan. Really? What is it? Welcome to the Coffee Clatch crew, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier episode review. I'm your host, Brian. And as you can tell, I'm not Jason, nor am I Christina. So for those of you that are wondering what's going on, Jason, what is going on? What is going on? Well, Christina's here just for the top of this podcast. Long story short, Christina and myself have been covering TV shows and movies over at Patreon for six years now. And Brian has been one of our main clatchers for almost all of those six years. He's been a contributing factor alongside other Clatchers who have made it possible for us to continue to do this. And a few months ago, or maybe even a month ago, Brian was reaching out to us saying, hey, I know that we've been talking about WandaVision, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is coming out, and I would like to join you guys in podcasting about that. Well, and of course, I can't contribute to that because I know nothing about Marvel or anything related to this, but I know it is such a huge area for content that our listeners are probably eager to hear about. So I'm glad that you both will have the opportunity to talk about it here. If you've been listening to CKC main channels, you'll know that Brian recently joined us for our first ever book review on Stephen King's The Stand. We had some amazing discussions, a full panel over there. Hopefully book reviews are something we can do more of in the future. But CKC is exploring all different types of stuff we hadn't considered. So this is great. Another branch that we can dive into with podcasts. Yeah, it's a journey because it's the first time I'm going to do a main podcast channel without you, Christina. Are you going to miss me? I am, absolutely. Are you going to miss my hours of notes and preparation? Who's doing that now? It's all Brian. Oh, Brian, have fun. I'm going to go take a vacation. You guys enjoy, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Brian, uh, why don't you explain how you made it possible for us to do this podcast? Sure. So, Jason, you're on the East Coast. Our friend Lewis is going to be joining us here in just a minute. He's in Georgia, and I'm on the West Coast myself. And the wonderful thing about Disney Plus is they're releasing these episodes at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So since I'm a night owl, I promised the guys that I'd be able to watch the episode first, send them some notes so they would be able to then wake up and kind of have everything already prepped for them when they watched it so that we can record later on in the evening and push this out over the weekend. So I know that you guys had been wanting to get some screeners for episodes and you had to wait a couple days afterwards to do all the research. So this is kind of like that. You get a pre-screener for me being on the West Coast and then having the benefit of watching the episode at a decent-ish hour versus you guys having to wait up until or stay up until 3 a.m. like some of the other crazy folks are doing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I myself will be at as many podcasts as possible or as many episodes, but there will be times where it won't be me there and there will be times when it won't be Lewis there just because of time constraints the other podcasts Christine and myself are doing. Honestly, if it wasn't for Brian willing to carry the weight of this podcast, we wouldn't be able to do it. So Brian will be doing the main notes. Brian will be doing the editing. Good luck, Brian. It gets tiring. (laughs) But this is a way that CKC can bring you more content. Hopefully you are happy about that. And I might soon have some podcasts separately where I do episodes where Jason's not on it. I know you're going to miss the two of us together, but we will always have podcasts where that's happening as well. So hopefully this just expands our universe. And it allows us to extend the digital water cooler conversation that you guys have always been talking about. So it should be interesting. It should be fun. Looking forward to it. So Christina, thanks for joining us for the top of the pod. I will let you go so you can enjoy your vacation. Jason, why don't we stick around and I'll bring Lewis in so we can start off the cast. Here on the cast with us, we now have Lewis. Lewis, 
say hello. Hello, fellow Clatchers. This is Lewis, a longtime listener and now fellow host with my buddy Brian and Jason. So we are here today to do a first look, an introduction pod around Falcon and Winter Soldier. Myself, I have been a comic book fan since I would essentially say 1990s. By no means am I an expert on all things Marvel nor the MCU, but fairly passionate about it. Really enjoy just the universe that they've created and all the stories over time. Lewis, what's your history with comics and the MCU? Basically, I got really into the MCU. Well, just within Marvel Comics, it started with the X-Men, kind of branched out from there. I uh, started watching the old Spider-Man series. Uh, these are all the cartoons. Even the Iron Man series, I would watch those. And even though they were kind of cheesy, I would still like be invested in them. And basically, once they started the MCU, the whole film universe i was all in once they started it yeah it's really great i I remember when iron man came out and i remember seeing the billboard and i'm like i hope they do that well after we live through the years of the daredevil movie the spider-man 3 debacle the oh yeah x-men 3 x3 yeah so fantastic four the first one was yeah or the one that they made and they didn't ever even release the theaters because it was that bad yeah um really excited as well when they first came out. So I was very hopeful that it did well and I'm glad it did. Jason, what about yourself? You uh, just a general nerd or have you got some comic background as well? Well, to be honest with you, growing up young, I had two older brothers, 10 and 11 years older than me. So they never wanted to play with me. But one thing with my middle brother that I could relate with him and sometimes he would hang with me and do it was drawing. And the way I started to learn how to draw was to take comic books and redraw the frames. And that's how I got really into comic books. To be honest with you, I never read them at that age. I didn't read them. I drew them. And X-Men was one of my favorite ones to do. Spider-Man was by far my go-to, my most favorite comic to draw because of the way Spider-Man is drawn, the way he moves. A lot of comics did this, but one of the things that Spider-Man did a lot was perspective. Because he's swinging, his foot would be closer to, the, to you, yeah. so his foot would be really large. And then you, you have the foreshortening of the rest of the leg to his body. So I really enjoyed drawing those and, and learning about perspective. So I started collecting comics. Now, my mom didn't buy me too many because, you know, I always wanted a new one. But then I started reading them as I got older. But I wouldn't call myself a nerd to the point where I had collections. I just bought whatever really looked nice and was affordable. <laughs> then came the movies, and I really got into it with the movies, just like probably every kid at that age. And then once the MCU came out, and they started building their stories, I mean, us and almost 99% of everybody in the world started loving them again. And now we have Disney+. Plus kicking it up a notch. I started reading comics uh, when I was really young. Whenever we needed to go to a pharmacy after a doctor appointment for like ear ache infection medicine or whatever, as my mom would go get the prescription, I would sit in the comic book section and read like Donald Duck and Daffy Duck and <laughs> <laughs> DuckTales. So I'm probably dating myself because those aren't around anymore. But it wasn't until the 90s X-Men cartoon came out that I picked up my first I'll call them big boy comics at the time. X-Men number 18, it was my first comic. I still have it. I've And I've amassed probably three, 400 issue collection. Wow. And that's, then that's awesome. I filled in from X-Men 1 that came out uh, when they switched uh, the original X-Men title over to Uncanny X-Men. And then the Marvel Unlimited app came out and then you get to read basically their entire backlog. So that's when I started filling in with 
the Avengers and Iron Man and Spider-Man and really just becoming that daily thing I do is reading one or two comics, trying to get to the current stories. Now on the app, it's a little bit delayed because they want you to buy the comics first before you get to the digital version. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to see stories that they have taken not only the current issues, like Captain America Civil War is based on a run of comics called Civil War. So it's really nice to see that Marvel is taking really interesting and compelling storyline beats from their own entire history yeah. and putting it, contemporizing it, putting it into movies these days and making it for a new audience that's just introducing the wonderful world of Marvel to a whole new generation. It's kind of awesome. I, I really enjoy that Marvel, they kind of touch on every generation. So like you're saying, it's really, they get aspects from a comic that came out from the 60s, 70s, but then they also go all the way to the two, 2000s, early 2000s, when I, I really started reading Marvel comics in the 2000s. And I remember Civil War and, and things like that. But, and they all just kind of combined everything together where anyone from any generation could really enjoy it. So, you know, seeing kids watching the MCU, I kind of feel like it's, it's kind of like how we got into the X-Men series the animated series kind of opened this to the comic book world i see uh younger generations watching the mcu now kind of oh there's a whole world of comic books since these movies are awesome let me go pick those up and start reading the comic books from like the 60s and 70s and it, it's a pretty cool it's pretty cool what they've they've managed to uh create i can't wait to have kids myself to introduce them to everything i had growing up the spider-man cartoon x-men cartoon all the great stuff that we have but we're not here to talk about our history and love of of Marvel and comics for forever. We are here to talk today about the anticipation and getting ready to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier that's coming out next week on Disney+. Plus. So I figured it'd be kind of great to go through some character bios for the main characters that we're going to be having. And then from there, talk about some spoilers and theories and some themes that we think we're going to be seeing. How's that sound for you guys? That sounds great. Right off the top. I want to say that Disney Plus has surprised me. When they started talking about the fact a year ago that they're going to start doing streaming episodic shows of the MCU, I was like, okay, that might be interesting. And they're going to pluck out some characters and give us other storylines. In my head, I was like, this might be a great opportunity for them to really dive deep into these characters so we have more time to get to know every single character. Especially when you talk about, and Chris and I have discussed this in the past, when you have an ensemble of characters that are all supposed to mean something to you, it's very difficult to juggle all of these stars. And Marvel has done an amazing job with that. But to add on top of that, now they can all have their little, uh, let's just say, TV series. Now we can really get to intimately learn about all of these characters, I think that's just going to bolster the storyline even more going forward. I know Kevin Feige has put out there that they're looking for about six hours for their episodic series on Disney Plus to tell a story, which if you translate into movies, that's three different movies that you're going to have to go and see. And that takes some time to go out and do. Oh, yeah. And there's years in between all that. Yeah. So if you condense that then into episodic viewing, you have a much better opportunity to tell a background story or to tell, in the case of WandaVision, the, the story of Wanda's grief and how she's dealing with that, with losing the vision and everything else that she had to go through at the end of, of Endgame. It's very smart. It allows them to make sure that they have a really good story already set up before they film the first scene. And it makes it so that the viewers are excited to watch TV again. I, I don't know the number of people that I've seen online that are like, 
I'm staying up until 3 a.m. to watch the new episode of WandaVision because I don't want to be spoiled with it on social media later in the day. Luckily, living out on the West Coast, that means I only have to stay up till midnight. So it's not that big of a deal. Completely Um, unfair, but yeah. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. What can I say? I I read online that Disney Plus made WandaVision must-see TV, which quite (laughs) honestly, we probably haven't had must-see TV since TGI Friday back in the 90s. Total double entendre there, B. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) It's not only that. It's not just uh, how well they're doing with these storylines. But another thing that Marvel is really good at is stitching underlining stories that has a big payoff later on. And they were able to do this over years with movies because it takes some time in between movies, like you were saying, B. But now they can take these shows and they can stitch in even more storylines so that when this, this next major movie comes out, everyone really has to go see it because we watched WandaVision and we watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got to know how that fits in. Right. Reading as many comics as I had, what I've noticed is that Marvel does a really good job at these summer blockbuster events, essentially. It's a large storyline that carries over the course of three months. They do a special intro comic for it that jumps up all of the main storylines they do a wrap-up one at the end tells how it it impacted everybody there's a main title that tells the main story but then all the characters that are invested in this have their own little side stories in the comics every single month as well and then it wraps up at the end and brings you back together and then the ramifications of whatever that story small large whatever it is is told in the main books of those characters moving forward and they've done a really good job of translating that over into the movies like, theoretically, WandaVision set up Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Right. However, you're not going to need to know WandaVision right. to enjoy Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is brilliant. But then for people like us that want to know the whole story, you have the option to see the whole story and get all the little intricacies that weave in together. But for somebody like a friend or a wife that is just there to hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. They can just casual go see viewer. the movies, casual viewers, and get the same experience. It's really cool that they've been able to do that so well in their movies. Yeah. What what I'm really hoping for with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this is what they kind of did with Wanda and Vision, where we didn't have too much of their story during the, the movies, but together we didn't really get their complete, you know, story until WandaVision came out. You know, we really got more character development out of them from WandaVision. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the character development with Bucky, uh, Winter Soldier, and and the Falcon, essentially, since they're both really best friends to Captain America. I want to see where that kind yeah. of connects everything, especially those two characters. We don't really get too much of them together in the movies. No. So I just want to see how that develops going forward. Me too. I'm excited. I'm going to refrain from going into that until we start the characters because I will spoil everything and then I'll have nothing to say later. But I'm on board with you on that. Actually, it's probably a really good time to get into the characters right now. As we've seen in the movies, we've gotten some backstory with Bucky as he was going through being a Winter Soldier. We saw that in Captain America Civil War, and we've seen how he has taken some steps to get past the programming that Hydra has done. So we have him in a place right now where at the end of Endgame, he has theoretically all of the brainwashing taken out. But he's, he's been able to basically be rehabilitated. And you're right, Jay. 
his best friend is no longer around, but the best friend of his best friend is here yeah. and they're working together. Sam, on the other hand, we don't know too much about him. We know that he was a pararescueman in the military where he got the original wings. He has, after outside of the service, has been working with other vets with PTSD. And Captain America came to him and said, hey, I need your help. So he's been essentially, pun intended here, Captain America's wingman for the entire movies. And then in, at the end of Endgame, Cap literally passed the mantle onto him by giving him the shield. And Sam, being the humble person that he is, said, you know, this is not, I'm not the right guy. And, and Steve was like, yeah, you are. So yeah. I think kind of the things that we're going to see, not only from the trailers that we've seen that it's going to be essentially a buddy cop type series and they're playing off each other in, in relationships but they're one of the themes is like who is really worthy to be captain america's successor is it falcon is it bucky is it somebody else who we'll get to in a minute mm -hmm. and then what does that mean for those two how do they reconcile that how do they work together uh and i think it's going to set up something that's going to be a really 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 interesting character study for the two of them because they both have had the mantle in the comics it's going to be interesting to see which one out of those two or even if it's neither of them who's going to have the mantle at the end of the series yeah and it's it's going to be interesting with that dynamic since they're both trying to figure out who they are by themselves without cap it's it's hard enough trying to figure out on your own hey am i worthy of being the next captain america but also having for instance falcon needs to figure that out with bucky right next to him the guy that grew up with steve rogers his whole entire life so there's kind of like a judgmental aspect to it as well where that could be very interesting, where it's not only proving to himself, hey, could I be the next Captain America, but also to Bucky, where it's like, you knew Cap, you knew it was your best friend, he was basically your brother, am I worthy to take on that role? So I want to see if that aspect of their relationship kind of comes out. If there is like a, a mutual respect where Falcon would need that from Bucky and vice versa, just because um, Bucky didn't really see how Cap met Falcon and their whole relationship. So he has to see how much Falcon really respects Cap and how much that means to him to be the next Captain America. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see that dynamic uh, between the two, see who's worthy of the next Captain America title. This is a guess, obviously, because we haven't watched it yet, but I anticipate there's a couple possibilities. There's one with Falcon, possible that he struggles if he feels like he can, or if he even wants to fill Captain America's shoes, and also if he can prove to Bucky. But outside of that, how about um, the fact that he might need to prove to the world that he can be the next Captain America? And I think that's going to be one of the major issues because, and Brian will get into it later, it seems that the world, quote unquote, is uh, trying to make their own new Captain America. But as far as Bucky and Falcon are concerned, I'm really excited for this show because there's a few things. I think Anthony Mackie, anything he does, I really enjoy him on screen. Whether it be something, a serious role, or it'd be something a little more funny or in the middle, I think he plays those roles so well. He's a great actor. And we know how Marvel does it. They love to sprinkle funny within these great action scenes and really deep storylines. And this show has all the tools to deliver that. Another thing I'm interested in is that we're used to seeing Bucky and Falcon not really getting along. They don't know each other that well. They're measuring each other. They're, they have some respect 
I think, after The Last Avengers for each other. But this is going to be, at least for the first episode, they're going to be measuring each other. They're going to be fighting, bickering, and I think it's going to result in a lot of good humor and a lot of, uh, well, like Brian said, buddy cop type elements. And I think that's going to be a great sprinkle within this show. Yeah, I totally agree. We've kind of already seen that in the trailer, right? The official trailer and the clip at the top of the, the segment. They're going on their first mission, I think. And I'm assuming the scene is in the first episode because it makes the most sense for it to be in the first episode of where they're both in a plane and you got 30 seconds to drop and Bucky's goes what's the plan and Sam doesn't reply back to him and Bucky's like okay so there is a there is no plan and then Sam drops out the plane and he basically goes hey I do have a plan but it's that that dichotomy of testing each other and seeing how they interact and what they can give and take essentially and then as we saw also in the end of the trailer that they're having a staring contest (laughs) In it. the psychiatrist's office, and she calls him out on it. It's like, guys, this is not what we're supposed to be here for. Blink. Grow up, <laughs> essentially. Blink. Something else to keep in mind, too, is that we have the Sokovia Accords hanging over all of this from Civil War. Sam didn't sign it. He went off with Captain America in protest of him. But they came back together in Infinity War and Endgame because they just needed to save the Earth. It was yeah, bigger the world was coming to an end. Yeah. The world was coming to an end. It's bigger than any personal issues. Let's save the world. So I'm really interested to see if they're going to talk about that at all. Now, Sam hasn't signed the Accords yet. And I don't think Bucky was even initially a part of it, but I'm sure they're going to try to have him signed as well. The government's going to want to replace Captain America with their own person. And that's where we get John Walker. He comes in as the self-appointed by the government successor to Captain America as the U.S. agent. U.S. agent in the comics actually came into play after Captain America retired at one point. He wanted to settle down a little bit, just get done with everything. So they did bring in somebody that was a little bit more, call it militaristic, if you will, a little more aggressive to be the figurehead and take up the mantle. We know John Walker's in there in the series. It's going to be interesting. We actually saw the back of him, I believe, in the trailer, um, running across the football field, giving a cheerleader a high five. But I'm not sure if it's going to be a figurehead somebody just to parade around like they did originally with Captain America during World War II to drum up some support. Or the U.S. agent is somebody that they're actually going to have to rebel against or fight against or or do things for him, but he gets the credit. What do you guys think? Your guess is as good as mine. I'm not sure, (laughs) but I'm wondering to myself, and I'm hoping, one, that War Machine comes into play, maybe even at the end, a cameo. But I'm wondering what he feels and how he's dealing with the government and trying to replace Captain America with this guy. What John Walker's main storyline is going to be, I have no idea. It it would be interesting to see him as a a figurehead, just so it kind of... It's kind of like a throwback to Captain America, the the first Avenger, where you see how they kind of propped up Captain America to begin with. It would be funny from a comedy aspect to see that uh, come to play again in modern times. And I could totally see Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of like be upset with that whole gimmick. And also, I mean, even if they did do a thing where it's like they did all the work for this guy and he took all the credit, that would actually be even better because it would kind of match that type of figurehead person. Do we know, does he have power or is he just a good soldier? So in the comics, he was given the super soldier serum. Okay. But it didn't work as well and kind of accelerated some of his natural aggression aggression mm. tendencies. If he you wasn't the ideal soldier for it. And also the, yeah. that the triple S, I just made that up. 
super soldier serum is a copy of the real serum. And when I say copy, it's not even like they don't have the original serum to make copies off of anymore. At least America doesn't. So it's kind of a guesstimate of what it was. Correct. It'd be interesting to see if they do bring that back, because I think that's how the Flag Smashers, which we'll get to in a minute, are so much stronger than Mm -hmm. the normal terrorist type group that you have. Yeah. And that's when Zemo comes in, I think. Yeah. So since we brought up Zemo, uh, let's talk about him. He's the Sokovian terrorist from Captain America Civil War that basically pitted all of the Avengers against themselves. <laughs> and as a quick refresher during Civil War, he acted and wore a mask that looked like Bucky to be able to get close to Bucky and give him the programming key words to get him back into the Winter Soldier mindset. It's going to be interesting because... Marvel typically has used villains once. They stopped kind of killing them <laughs> after a couple of the first movies. So Zemo is going to be the first one that's really kind of become brought back into the, the spotlight for the majority of the series. And being the purist, if you will, from the comic books, I love the fact that he has his, his purple mask coming back. Yeah. Yes. Which I think is really kind of cool. I'm glad they were able to bring it forward. It's one of those kind of, okay, I get it as a campy thing in the comic books and it's, you know, comic book world, you can do those sort of things. But for it, I'd be interested to see the real world reason mm. for them to do it in the show. What's also going to be interesting, I think, for Zemo coming back is what's his motivation now? Yeah. Right? He essentially was an agent of chaos in Civil War, and he was going to take his own life, but Black Panther stopped him. Yeah. Put his hand over the muzzle of the gun and said, your, you know, your destiny does not end today, or your life doesn't end today, whatever the right phrase was. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Zemo's reason for coming back is. Why is he trying to come back to Bucky? Does he think that there are some additional programming that he could reactivate in Bucky to help facilitate his means? Or like you're saying, Jay, does does USA agent come out and Zemo is like, no, I don't like this guy. I just want to, you know, be chaos again and get him to stop. It's I'm curious. I'm, I'm thinking Zemo's going to come back just to take down the idea of having a Captain America replacement or Captain America type figure from coming back up again. Um, because he, he's essentially, he's a villain because he had this revenge thing about all the heroes, right? His whole family died during the whole thing in, in Sokovia. So, um, you know, he's not seeing that these guys that technically ruined his life. If he sees a Captain America type figure coming back that might prompt him uh to seek out revenge again just to end that because he doesn't want the idea of what happened to his family you know that still be out there if that makes any sense another character that we're going to be able to see again for the first time in a while is sharon carter she's agent 13 from captain america winter soldier she helped captain america and Bucky and Sam get their equipment during Civil War. So she's always been a friend of the team. She is Peggy Carter's niece. So it's going to be interesting to see what she's been up to. I know, just like we talked about earlier, that the speculation and most likely the the actual occurrence of talking about some of Sam's background, we're going to see what Sharon Carter's been doing in the meantime and where she's been. She's been showing up in the trailer. It's coming out and helping out the guys at a pivotal moment. So it's going to be interesting to see if it's going to be a two buddy cop series or a three buddy cop series with Sharon being right next to him versus someone that just comes in and out as necessary to help out. Sharon Carter is another one of those characters that I think because it's an episodic TV show that we're going to get to know a lot better. And I'm interested to get a little more background in regards to why is she there? Why is she helping alongside with Bucky? 
let's be honest, we don't really know Bucky that well. We know Bucky before, like way back in the day when he was just a childhood friend with Captain America. And then we know him as brainwashed. And then let's be honest, he didn't have too many talking points from that point on. He was just a badass action guy. So I'm very intrigued with him. And the same goes for Sharon. Emily Van Camp, who plays Sharon, I think she does this role very well. If I didn't meet her first in this role, and I met her first in the other role I know her from, which is The Resident, I would say, do not use this woman. She's not a good actor. But thankfully, we already know Sharon, and she plays that role very well. So uh, this is going to be intriguing. I have a feeling, and this is a guess, I might be 100% wrong, that at first, she's not going to be on their side. Interesting. Mm. But I it's have gonna a be... feeling that she's going to be kind of like, once it gets to a point where it's a, a, a funny banter situation between Winter Soldier and the Falcon, that she'll probably end up being kind of the straight man to what, yeah. what's ever going on yeah. in that situation to add to the you know buddy cop aspect of the series. I'm, I'm kind of predicting that happening in the series. So For... kind of like Rene Russo's role in Lethal Weapon? Exactly. Yeah, I dig Yeah, it. exactly. Only I could, a much, I could totally see that happening. Only a yeah. much but, better oh, female character. Because definitely much better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be pretty cool because she's also a badass, right? She's just not like there as a side character. And she could also hold her own, mm-hmm. you know, pull her own weight with these superheroes. And I fully think she she's going to have uh, an important role in, in the entire in the entire run of the series. Yeah, I totally agree. I think she's going to come in at a pitiful moment, probably in episode two. Honestly, I don't expect her to come in episode one. I think episode one's going to kind of deal with the, the relationship between Sam and Bucky. Yeah. And then once that pivotal moment comes in in episode two, then we'll see her throughout the rest of the throughout the rest of the episodes. When I say she's not going to be on their side, I don't mean like she's going to be out to get them or kill them. I kind of mean like how War Machine was as far as I'm here to represent the government and what you're doing, what you guys are doing. Come on. You know, you can't be doing this. You know, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't stop you guys. Things like that. Like she's on their side, but she wants it done in the in the right way, the correct way. Yeah. But what's been interesting is that she's been on the run, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. So she probably does come in and say, hey, okay, guys, you kind of need to go this direction. You can't just, like, blow everything up and do whatever you want. Um, but she's been on the run ever since Civil War. So it's going to be really interesting to see I forgot uh, about that. Yeah. what she's been doing. For helping for helping Captain America, right? Yes. Uh, just like Captain America and his team didn't sign the Accords, they, they went off on their own after the Civil War. I know we're touching on kind of, like, the main people right now. We will get into the... Other characters are will be introduced. Uh, War Machine will be there. We know Barack the Leaper will be coming back for one episode. He was a minor villain at the beginning of Captain America Winter Soldier. But the other main group I want to talk about that I have a feeling is going to be throughout the entire series is the terrorist group called Flag Smashers. Now, in the comics, there was a villain that was called Flag Smasher. He was introduced with the mentality of kind of like the Red Skull, where the Red Skull obviously in the comics is is Nazism and Captain America is the direct opposite. Flag Smasher is just basically an anti-nationalist. And what I mean by that is he doesn't care what country you're in. He doesn't care if you're in Germany, in America, Canada, or whatever. It's kind of like that agent of chaos that says no government, no nothing, just anti-establishmentarianism, if you will, 
go against the the people that are in charge and let's just take them down, essentially. So at the time he was introduced, and I think it was late 80s again, it's the third leg of the stool between Red Skull and Captain America. Now, obviously, we don't have the Red Skull anymore because he's on Volmir with the, the Soul Stone. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting that they're bringing that theme back of anti-government, kind of bringing back the same theme of what's the price of freedom from Captain America and Winter Soldier that the Captain America was dealing with. And as we saw in the trailer, that the Flag Commanders themselves are kind of strong. You know, they're strong. They're not normal humans. They can jump higher. They can punch harder. As Sam says to Bucky, that little girl kicked your ass. Hmm. Um, so it kind of gives you the impression that there's something enhancing them yeah potentially like jay were saying with the u.s agent they someone tried to recreate the super soldier serum but didn't do it correctly right so they're using it i believe it's going to be interesting to see one how they got so strong if they are actually more strong but then what's also their purpose outside of hopefully just being a terrorist group that's anti-government yeah i have a feeling that they have the better serum because Zemo, we've seen that Zemo has the knowledge to find out what was in the past and how to get to it. That he got the book so that he could say the correct words to Bucky to get him back under mind control. So if he can do that, he can find out maybe there's serum out there buried somewhere and he knows how to get to it or he learns how to get to well, it. Well, he is from Hydra and so was uh, Aram Zola, the guy that uh, developed the super serum. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Um, so I'm sure you're right that Zemo does have some sort of access to it and has tried to develop or know some way this to divide the tell. So it's going to be interesting to see, to see how all of these characters interrelate to try to fill or fill the vacuum that yeah. Captain America's retirement mm. left. Yeah, and, and I wonder, I wonder how precise that serum is that they have. I wonder if it's like I, I think it's going to be closer as, than what we have. It's, yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be stronger and. Zemo, he's really good with serums. He actually, he created a new serum off of that that gets rid of pimples. It's called, oh, nice. it's called Noxemo. <laughs> For those of you that are new, Jay likes to throw in, what do we call them? Jason jokes? Dad jokes? Yeah, Jason, Jason isms. Jason isms. There it is. So we apologize for all you new listeners and wondering who is this guy just throwing in all these jokes. We'll leave some of them in, but we've cut a lot of them out already. Noxemo. <laughs> all right, that's so actually one are, of the better ones. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so those are our main characters that we know about. There's been some others that have been talked about and speculated. But if they do come up, we'll leave them for the actual episodes so that we can kind of give you a breakdown of who their characters are when they actually come up. We don't really think that they're going to be characters that we're going to need to care about through all six episodes. So like I said, We'll get to them when they come up. Before we get into closing, just like we saw with WandaVision, there's been a lot of spoilers and theories around what's going to happen. Keep in mind that pre-COVID times, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out first. Yeah. WandaVision wasn't supposed to come out. Now, mm-hmm. WandaVision, not to dive deep, too deep into that, but there are very powerful, big storylines that she's been a part of that introduced other characters that we know are coming in later phases of the MCU. So I think that the theorizing and the speculation of what's going to happen in this series is going to be a little tampered down. I personally like when I think about theories and spoilers is speculation without expectation. Oh, ooh, yeah. New (laughs) t-shirt. Yes, new (laughs) t-shirt. 
But there are three theories that I kind of want to, uh, spoilers, if you will, that I kind of want to talk about. So if you guys, anyone that's listening is afraid of spoilers and theories and just wants to see what's on screen, now would be a time for you guys to drop off. Before you go, a few things. Lewis, I noticed you're wearing a CKC t-shirt. Thank you for that. Respect. Respect. Or sucking up, whatever. (laughs) I love it. Uh, But also, if you're leaving because you don't want to get anything spoiled and you like what we're doing so far and we're just warming up, it's the first time with us podcasting together. We're only going to get better. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Follow us at CKC Podcast or on Facebook, CKC Podcast, Instagram, and write to us, contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com. Or you can call us at 252-368-6606. Join in on the conversation. Be a part of the crew. Be a part of the conversation. And let's enjoy this adventure together. All right. For those of us that are still around to talk about spoilers, there are three main ones that I think are, well, two of them are fairly likely to happen. One of which is kind of out there. As we talked about before, Kevin Feige in the MCU does a slow burn for everything. Um, So the third one, I heard it. I wanted to talk about it, but I think it's a reach. So the first one is Madripoor. It is an island nation over in Southeast Asia, which basically is the criminal version of Las Vegas, where they can just go and not have to worry about anybody coming out for them. The speculation from the trailer that we saw, that big city that had all the skyscrapers and all the lights, is that was Madripoor, and that there's a couple other scenes in the trailer of being there. Now... For those that know more of the comic book history of Madripoor, or Madripoor, excuse me, I'm probably going to butcher that the entire time. So anybody that's out there is saying, you're saying it wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, not perfect. Uh, but that's Madripoor, also a Jasonism that you're doing, by the way. That's right. Hey, there you go. Jason, look at that. You're rubbing <laughs> off on us. Madripoor is the home of some interesting characters, namely Wolverine from the X-Men series. But since it is a criminal safe haven, essentially, it does open the doors for a lot of other nefarious individuals that might come into play. The second theory that is out there is a group called the Thunderbolts. Baron Zemo is the guy that led them. And at one point, General Ross, who we've seen make the Avengers sign the Sokovia Accords in America's, uh, Captain America Civil War, he was also part of the Thunderbolts at one point and became the Red Hulk. Oh. Yeah. That's right. In, in the comics... Uh, General Ross is the father of Betsy Ross, who was Bruce Banner's girlfriend. So there's some history there. Uh, And Theodore Ross became uh, the Red Hulk in a way to combat the regular Hulk. So it's going to be interesting to see, like they are starting to do with some of the younger characters from Young Avengers. Wanda's two children were part of them. We also are seeing, we also know that a younger version of Hawkeye is coming out in a Hawkeye series. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know Ant-Man's daughter is in the MCU and she's part of the Young Avengers as well. So we know they're doing, they're setting up the pieces for that at some point. So it's going to be interesting to see if, because Madripoor comes in with all the criminal safe havens and we have Baron Zemo and we have General Ross, it's going to be interesting to see if they set up the Thunderbolts and what kind of direction they take it. Is it going to be a replacement for the Avengers or is it going to be a team that does nefarious things in the guise of helping everybody else? Yeah, I think there's a high uh, probability of uh, the Thunderbolts coming into play. The General Ross character, I, 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 it's funny that you brought, bring that up because I didn't really think about him too much. 
I want to see, is he in this series, do you know, or? I haven't seen it confirmed, but I would not be surprised if he is. Because yeah, it would be history, very interesting if he was, yeah. Yeah, to, with his history of the Sokovia Accords, it, it, I would not be surprised if I see him at some point. The way I think it also could tie in here, too, is in the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie, there was talks of the super serum in that and trying to recreate Captain America, but they used it for uh, Mel Bronski or the Abomination. Abomination, yeah. Which but I think they're bringing back. They're bringing back that character. The, the, and I'm just thinking about this now that you brought it up um, from the Incredible Hulk movie. They did bring about Abomination with the super serum. Maybe that comes into play in Falcon and Winter Soldier. But we don't see that Abomination character until maybe She-Hulk or or another series like that. Yeah, I'd fully because Abomination is essentially an evil Hulk. Yeah, yeah She-Hulk series it makes a lot more sense. But you're right; there is probably going to be seeds planted that uh, the eagle eyes of us will be able to see and and pull out. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too positive that we'll see them. To be honest with you, I like you said, little seeds. If we follow what they did with WandaVision, there was. A, a few main elements and then little bits of information for the future. I think the main guy is going to be Zemo and it's going to be getting to know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier together. Us getting to know them together and themselves getting to know them together. I don't think, especially with seven episodes. Six. Six episodes. So I don't think uh, they'll have too much time. And I don't know if this is your third one, but we're not going to get any mutants yet. That's going to be later on in the future. Well, that, that was a big speculation with WandaVision. Everyone was waiting for the mutants to come in. And, you know, I'm I'm not going thinking mutants at any point with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm purely seeing it buddy cop relationship yeah. type style. And like maybe like an espionage, you know, just like uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War. I don't think they're going to bring in any talk of the mutants for, for quite some time. It, it made more sense for WandaVision to speculate that they would introduce or at least showcase the mutants or mention them at one, at one point because of the Evan Peters casting, who was Quicksilver in the X-Men, com- X-Men movies, and a very powerful storyline called House of M, where Wanda recreates the world where mutants are the most powerful. And at the end in the comics, spoiler alert, she says, no more mutants. And there's that storyline carries through. So because in the first episode, the wine bottle in French basically said House of M, there was speculation that they were doing kind of like a reverse uh, House of M, where she would say more mutants or something like that at the end of the series. Again, there's a lot of speculation and with expectation, which we're not going to do here, but that's why it made more sense for mutants to come in in WandaVision. With Madripoor being a known location for Wolverine, if they do it, which I don't think they will, because this was in the works before their Disney's agreement with Fox. Um, but they might have changed something real quick just to, you know, fan service. There's the possibility of this. The third spoiler I was going to bring up, and this is the one that I think is very far fetched, but I want to put it out there in case it does happen because it's kind of big. The rumor is so keep in mind, pre COVID times, Black Widow would have already been out before Falcon and the Winter Soldier got announced. And in the Black Widow, they're talking about Black Widow's history and going into the Red Room and how the Red Room, which is, for lack of a better description right now, a CIA-style development program for kids in Russia. There's speculation that Omega Red is going to be in Madripoor, and we'll see him at the, by the end of the series, most likely in the last episode. 
Omega Red was experimented on, tested on, manipulated, etc. in the Red Room. Now, I love the X-Men. Omega Red is a very interesting character uh, with being able to release pheromones to control people, having tentacles that come out of his wrists to control people and wrap them up and suck up some life energy um, and has been one of the more violent villains in Wolverine's stories to play off that good side, bad side, same abilities, how are you going to do it? Kind of like Wolverine and Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. Since Madripoor is a criminal safe haven and there's a lot of potential that's there, it's possible. I, I think there, I mean, there, there could be a possibility there though. Cause if, if they introduce Omega Red by the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, it gives Marvel the possibility of tying it in to the prequel. Cause Black Widow is essentially a prequel tying it in that way. It would be kind of like a flashback going, okay, this is Omega Red, watch Black Red Widow, and you might find out more. Right. Much like they but, did at the end of uh, Infinity War with Captain Marvel's symbol on the beeper, and then Captain Marvel came exactly. out. Exactly. Later. And then Captain Marvel came out, yeah. So I could see that playing into it if they were to do that. And I think that at the end of Black Widow, and if they were to do the hint at Falcon and Winter Soldier, give more hints or more backstory about him in Black Widow, then you would get more of him in the X-Men stage of the MCU. But I, I doubt that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But um, the, never say never, I guess. True. Never say never, which is <laughs> a tenant of Marvel MCU and comics wise. The, the source I'll say that I saw it from uh, was a similar source that we saw stuff for WandaVision. And half of what that source said never actually happened. Yeah, it was all it was fan speculation. Fan, and yeah, fan. Fiction. You know, that's something that I'm I'm avoiding with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, because I mean, it didn't ruin it for me. Uh, WandaVision having all those speculations going around. But I know it did ruin it for a lot of, of fans. And it kind of got to the point. I don't know if you guys were seeing in social media where people would argue about, hey, this didn't, uh, you know, Doctor Strange didn't come in or x-men or fantastic four and none of this happened you know and it kind of like takes away from how great one division really was exactly you know i don't want that to you know i'm only speaking for myself uh you know anyone could go in with whatever expectations that they have but um falcon and winter soldier i'm not having any of that i just want to go in with a mindset of i'm going to watch this these two guys trying to figure out who they want to be in this MCU and in this universe, if they want to live up to the Captain America title or if they just, you know, they just want to be themselves. So it's like, I just want to go in and see what Falcon and Winter Soldier, how their characters develop. Yeah, so I have no problem weeding through all of the BS online. And I will pull out what I think makes the most sense and what we've kind of seen moving forward in our episodes. So expect some Easter eggs and if they're relevant, we'll be talking about them. But if they're just more fan service, it's like, okay, that's cool that they do Oh, that. for sure, yeah. They won't have too much tie-ins. So anything else before we wrap up? Well, I just want to say I'm really excited for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though I feel like that name is very full to the mouth. Oh, yeah. Like whenever I'm talking to someone like, are you going to watch WandaVision? It yeah. flows, right? But then, are you going to watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? It's just so yeah, even much. Even the abbreviations kind of like... It's too much, too. Are you going to watch T-F-A-W... Like, uh, 
I forgot the letters. Me too. It's too long. I even it's abbreviated the abbreviation. I, I'm in our files. It says FWS, but, um, yeah, but short and simple. I think this is going to be a great show. I think this is going to bring them to the front of the Avengers and make them even more pivotal, more important, just like they made our top crew back in the day. Really important. We're going to care about them a lot more. And I'm just excited to do the podcast with you guys. As we said at the top, I won't be there every week, but I'll be here as much as possible. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, I'm excited to do it too. Yeah, I agree, man. It's going to be a a fun ride just to see these characters that we don't know too much about, really. I mean, we see them in the MCU, but they're not really uh, a focal point of the Avengers. But I do uh, agree with you, Jay, that they're going to be uh, brought up. It's going to be cool to see these uh, characters develop. So until next time, when we review episode one of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'll be on your left, and this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC Podcast. This round is on me. fellow host with uh my buddy brian here my buddy brian and jason yeah, it's fucked up man <laughs> <laughs> you didn't say my name <laughs>